Support the Amigos podcast and keep the Amiga goodness flowing for just a dollar a month. Visit our page at patreon.com slash Amigos podcast. Amiga, the first personal computer that gives you a creative edge. Amigos, the podcast about everything Amiga. Amigos is a proud member of the Throwback Network, your home for quality retro podcasts. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron Dowdy and John Bodovkar Schaller. All right, welcome to the Amigos Podcast, Episode 2. This week we're going to talk about Super Frog. But before we do, uh, we've got a couple other things to get to. First up, some Amiga news. So, remember that Kickstarter we talked about last week, Aaron? The uh, coffee table book. Uh, we talked about that, but we also talked about another one. I don't even know if we mentioned if I mentioned that it was a Kickstarter, but do you remember the uh, the housing, the, oh, the yes, case? Oh, yeah, the plastic casing, yeah. Right. Um, I uh, did a quick update on that. Uh, they are looking for $135,000 to, uh, to, to make this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got 20 days left, so they are up to $34,000, which is, which is pretty good. Um, I guess injection molding is just super expensive. but uh, So they are about, what, a fifth of the way there? Well, presumably. Uh, the only thing I know about plastic molding is from my days working for a printer manufacturer and uh, – I know the plastics were expensive, and and I always heard it was a uh, a pricey endeavor to do that sort of thing. I'm not terribly surprised. I'm assuming that the cost is because they have to buy a certain amount to get a factory to manufacture it or something like that. Right. Uh, and so that doesn't surprise me. And that seems like a lot of money, but when you think about, um, you know, what they have to do to get it made. Mm-hmm. I think everything, you know, when you're doing molding, everything has got to be made from scratch, you know, all of the metal work and everything. And so it seems like, uh, you know, it doesn't seem like that's outrageous, but we'll I'll keep an eye on that. And each week kind of give you an update on on where we are with it. Um, Another thing I found, remember last week we were talking about um, with the same Kickstarter, all the different kinds of uh, ports that are going to be cut out of it. So there's one for a compact flash card. Right. All that stuff. Yeah, that's great. Um and I told you that there was, I thought I saw an HDMI out, and you scoffed at me, and you said it could never be done. Well, I, I, was, I was surprised. <laughs> I Those might not have been your exact words, but basically the way I found out that people are doing this is they're using the SCART connector. Are you familiar with the SCART connector? Yes, yes I am. Now, did those come standard on all Amigas or just PAL Amigas? Um, they are not a part of the NTSC unit. Mm. Now, um, it's been my... I'm guessing a SCART connect. Uh, there's a port that a SCART connector goes in. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess over here the equivalent would be sort of like RF, you know, like on the old, you know, only Atari twisting hair, you know, just the thing that goes in a little box in the back here. Mm-hmm. I guess over there they have the SCART ports. And SCART ports, is, I wish we had them because they're great. You can do a lot with them. Right. Calling it an RF is, is almost selling it short because it's it, it can it can pump out RGB, you know, video, you know, just kind of a well, direct I mean, line. I'm, RF, I'm talking about our equivalent was the RF, which was much crap. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which was which was awful. So um, but I didn't know if Amiga had a special deal where, you know, all of their models came with that SCART out. Out, you know, so well, you non the the Amigas that you have, for instance, they don't have it, right? I don't think any Amiga has a SCART. I think the Amigas I've seen have a video port in the back mm-hmm. for um, output to a monitor, and then they also will have a uh, uh, RCA jacks, red, right, yellow, red, white, and yellow, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think I'm guessing the uh, SCART hookup is something coming, some sort of uh, gimmick that hooks into the video port mm-hmm. on, on an Amiga. I don't think they made a different Amiga that had a SCART. I could be wrong. Now, now the uh, CD32 may have had a SCART. Mm-hmm. I'm just not not that familiar with them. I've seen the, I've seen connectors that were SCART kills, but I've never actually had anything that had like a SCART connection on it. Okay, so uh, maybe some of our PAL listeners uh, can tell us about you know what. If uh, if if the SCART connector came native, or if it was something that had to be added on later, but anyway, the uh, the SCART connection 
is what is um, basically making this thing. Uh, you can do a SCART to HDMI, and oh, it's then, some sort of adapt, right. adapter. Yeah. Now I know there's a there was a cat down in Australia, I think, or maybe it was New Zealand that was selling this gimmick that would let you output S video out of Amigas. But uh, I don't think I've ever seen one that. I mean, well, you know, now that I think about it, I mean, they've got they've got ways to hook it up to a VJ monitor. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's not, it's not terribly out of range. I think they'd have an HDMI. I'd be, it'd be interesting what it looked like. Right, and obviously it would be the video only portion of the HDMI because there'd be no way that uh, that that sort of a setup would would put your video out, right? I don't or know I mean, but put your audio out because HDMI, you know, it can carry. Well, there, I don't. Again, I don't know if Scar heads. That's true. Some sort of audio mm-hmm. gimmick on it. I just don't know. I don't yeah. know. That's something I just don't know enough about. Yeah. Well, uh, hopefully, you know, we got a lot of great feedback from our listeners from the first episode. So uh, please write in and let us know how that uh, how that all works. Uh, I just wanted to quickly go over some of the feedback that we got. Uh, I got a message from a guy named Dude's Life on Atari Age, and uh, he's put together a uh, walkthrough to convert. Uh, Amazon Fire TVs to play Amiga games. So are you familiar with the Fire TV? Uh, my mom has one. Okay, so is it... I'm not that familiar. Is it basically like a uh, like a Roku? You know, is, a, is it a it's deal? A, it's a tablet. It's, oh, okay. It's, it's, it's Amazon's tablet. That's It's just... Well, I their, think this is, the, this is the Fire TV, though. I oh, think the this, Fire TV. Yeah. I'm sorry. You know, my dad has one of those, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I know I, I was able to, to put... Uh, Cody on it, so it and he, so I'm, I'm assuming that this walkthrough involves when you some sort of flavor of UAE mm-hmm. the uh, Amiga emulator. Yeah, uh, he's it's it's basically you know a tutorial on how to sideload you know all this software on here, and um, but you know it was something that uh, I I don't know how easy it is you know with the Fire TV versus the other devices to do, but there's a, a full. Uh, kind of a step-by-step guide to do that and i'll put that in the show notes so uh thanks to dude's life for sending that in that's nifty because the uh the h the the amazon uh what is it called the fire the fire tv fire tv they're like i said my my folks have one they're pretty neat they're cheap uh side loading on them is uh it's not too difficult Mm -hmm. you know there's nothing wacky Mm -hmm. it's sort of wacky but nothing's you know that you couldn't do if you really wanted to and it comes with a uh the controller that it comes with is it's got a d-pad on it doesn't it it's uh it comes with a remote um uh, the remote's good mm-hmm. it's uh in the same realm as say a roku oh okay you know maybe the uh maybe it's got a controller that's a you know an add-on something i think it may purchase. have maybe it's got bluetooth mm-hmm. or something I, it may have a controller i know you know, Roku can play games yeah, and stuff, so it yeah. may be the same sort of deal. Right. I haven't I haven't fooled with them that much, uh, but uh, I wouldn't surprise you. But that'd be kind of neat, you know. Yeah. Put some images on a, a um, you know, USB drive or whatever they've got that you can hook up with those things. Be, no, that's a good idea. Yeah. So uh, we also got some feedback uh, from Sean from the Pie Factory content, uh, podcast. And uh, he says, uh, he sent a really long message. Uh, he said, I've been away from the Amiga for years, but I'm thrilled to hear about your show. Uh, he goes through his whole history of computing. Uh, he started in 88 with a Commodore 64C. Uh, and Aaron, that was the Commodore that was, uh, was that the one that was kind of portable? Did it have a handle on it or something? Uh, no. Oh. I don't think so. The, I think the C, I had a C, I believe. I may still have one, come to think of it. Or I may have sold it. Uh, it's a, it was just a different flavor. The sixty four, mm-hmm. the portable one. You had to ask me the name because I I would know it. I, I think it's a sixty four. I want to say SX. It's some. It's 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 the C couple extra just, letters. Yeah, not, the C yeah. is just a different flavor. I believe it wasn't as popular as your your brown bomber right. because of the some certain in. Uh, in I, it, I think it, it, at that point, weren't they trying to get the Commodore to look more like the 128? I think it had a little bit more of a whitish color it instead was. of that brown. Yeah, it was. Okay, it's coming back to me now that we talk about it. Yeah, I, I believe it had some a few incompatibilities. And I, I, you know, the, the original, the old brown one had some flaws. It's a lot like the Atari 2600. And, the, and I was not a Commodore 64 guy, but I know a little bit. And from what I recollect, some of those flaws, I believe a, a major audio issue, they would... 
was was exploited quite a bit. And so I believe that maybe they cleaned some of that stuff up. When they did that, it where some of these software authors had used those flaws, it caused stuff to not work as properly. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so uh, he he talks about, you know, when he started college, he wanted something better. Uh, and he ended up uh, picking up an Amiga 600. Um, and uh, he said that uh, the Amiga community sees that as a game machine, but uh, but he loved it. He said he loved the small size and everything, and yeah. he's just he's been an Amiga fan ever since. So um, you know, I one of the things in his message that I wanted to ask you about was uh, he talks about this this thing called the Amiga One that came out in uh, the early two thousands. Do you know anything about the Amiga One? I seem to recall. That it was a, uh, it was expensive. Mm-hmm. It was not. Uh, this is, of course, at, by this point, Commodore was out of the picture. Right. Uh, I don't know who made it. It could have been. It could have been. Yeah, I'm not sure even who owned the rights at that point. Mm-hmm. I believe it was this kind of uh, gimmick that uh, could run the new Amiga OS. But it was, I think it was sort of a PC-ish thing that they well, used. Well, that's, that's what he says. He says that um, it was basically a motherboard that um, that ran OS 4, Amiga OS 4. Right. But it was basically, uh, you could basically stick it inside of a Mac, a G3, a G3 Mac, and it would run, I guess it would run that too. So maybe it was kind of a dual booting system that could seamlessly run older apps. That's, you know, I'd say it's not what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. I, I I'm not familiar with that. I'm not. I'm not a Mac guy, so mm-hmm. it's something that may have just slipped by me. Right. Um, I, you know, at rough top of my head, it just I, it seems fuzzy. Maybe I've heard of it, but I don't remember anything about it. But it's pretty incredible that you know uh, Commodore went out of business. Where you know the Amiga basically shut its doors in '94, I think, and so this thing came out in the early 2000s. So, uh, but the the one that he had was the Micro Amiga One C. And anyway, uh, he said he ended up selling that later, but he's thinking about getting back in to the Amiga scene, um, just, uh, you know, just doing some emulation and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, and then he also talks about, uh, the, last week we talked about uh, five and a quarter uh, floppy drives. And he said that they did exist for the Amiga, but their, per- their only purpose was really just to read PC formatted disks. Mm-hmm. That was what. I believe there's, I, I was thinking about this um during the week, I also believe they made some sort of gimmick. In fact, I know they did. That would let you hook up a, a fifteen forty one up to the Amiga. That's the uh, Commodore drive, right? I, I think there is, yeah. And um, I don't necessarily, I don't recall being able to run any Commodore. So obviously, the Amiga didn't run Commodore stuff inherently. So I'm not sure, but it seems like I recall something to that effect. The fifteen forty one is kind of a nutty drive because it's it's basically a computer and the disk drive built into the drive. So I'm not 100 percent sure why you would do it, but it seems like I remember hearing something about that. It doesn't surprise me that they have some sort of PC uh, uh, gimmick, but I, I know as far as as I would know, uh, through all the times I had Amigas and knew all the people I had that had Amigas, I never saw anyone that had a, a, a five and a quarter. And yeah. there was no reason to do it three and a half being the standard. Right, right. Well, um, we got some other feedback too, and uh, I, you know, I try to reply to everything that's on the blog. We got some feedback from England, from Australia, uh, from Sweden. So uh, it's awesome. Yeah, this show has really <laughs> had, it's developed a global reach, even in, in its early stages. So thank you so much for listening, and uh, we're going to go ahead and, and scoot on over to the next section. Now we're going to talk about uh, some Amiga hardware uh, this week. So Aaron, what do you have for us? Well, since we uh, just celebrated the. Uh the anniversary of the Amiga 1000. I thought I'd just go over some, just quickly go over a few of the peripherals that were out for it. Uh, I'm not going to go into great detail because it's really, the 1000 uh, was nowhere near the 500 when it came to uh, peripherals, especially wacky ones. Uh, But I thought I'd go over a few and also uh, mention a couple things that I used to own personally that I have a little little more intimate knowledge with. Um, Basically, the things you would get for the 1000 that you could use were most of the time on the sidecar expansion on the side. uh, Or you had uh, boards that plugged into the 68000 processor slot uh, and then had the 68000 piggyback on the board. Those are the main ways you would would expand the power of the the machine. Um, You had a lot of accelerators well not a lot right again the the 1000 i don't know if it was the lifespan was so short or 
uh, the tech wasn't there. It didn't seem like you got a ton of action mm-hmm. for accelerators, but there were some. I jotted down a few, and then a couple that I'd seen in person. <clears throat> um, the uh, like I said, there were a lot that plugged directly into the processor slot. The 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 a thousand had a had a sixty eight thousand processor that was slotted. You could pull it out. Like I mentioned last week, you could you could put a sixty eight ten in it. It didn't do much. Right, you've got a, a tiny bit of, of action, but not much. So, guys, uh, companies came up with various ways to plug in faster processors, like sixty eight twenties, for example. <clears throat> um, several companies put out in uh, these sixty eight thousand socket accelerators. Uh, I looked up a few that I that I had heard of. I hadn't seen in person. There was the Hurricane one thousand. Uh, there was a uh, uh, Animate two. There's a lot more European stuff. Again, there, I don't know if there was hardly anything that was made in the U.S. that came out for the thousand in terms of acceleration. Most of these have the same sort of basic setup. You, they would give you a 14 uh, megahertz processor, and then occasionally would give you some RAM to go along with it. So, how does how does the acceleration process actually work? Well, the uh, what a, what a lot of these would do is is literally you you'd be getting a sixty eight thousand twenty, so it's just a faster chip. And you're rerouting everything in the system to go through this accelerator well, instead of going through the chip that picture, came on the board. Picture the socket on the board. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a PCB a, right. a socket a circuit board that plugs into that socket. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now a lot of the way it normally would go is on that board. You would have a, a sixty eight thousand twenty. All right. And you would often have like an FPU, a floating point unit. Now later on, you got a lot more like math coprocessor slots. But I, from what I could tell, the most of what you got you were getting on the uh, on the first was just the FPU uh, action on those. And then a lot of them, what you would have a spot there'd be another socket on the uh, little board, and you would plug your sixty eight thousand back in. Mm-hmm. So and so, what this would let you do is basically switch between the old chip and the new chip. Is that for compatibility issues with older uh, games, yes. stuff like that? Yeah, well, at this point, everything was new. Right, right. <laughs> so, That's why, you uh, know. And I, I noticed that some of these, the funny, like, uh, some of these were compatible. The the, 5, 000, the 500 had a 68,000 slot, too. So uh, some of these were compatible with both. Uh, some some weren't. Uh, the uh, I had I had an a accelerator for another uh, Amiga, and I can tell you that, when you go out of that realm of the sixty-eight thousand, you run into problems on a lot of compatibility issues or weird speed things. Just weird stuff would happen. It wasn't always bad, but is it this, is it the same sort of case that you have with older PCs where a lot of the games were specified to run against the clock the clock on the processor? So if you start to upgrade that clock too much, the game will start to speed up. That can be part of it. It can even the Amiga was a funny uh, computer. Uh, even the the copy protection would be set to have the drive run as you know come across a certain thing at a certain time or load at a certain speed and, and that if it didn't load up at the proper time that could script the computation and make the make the game not work mm. uh, wacky stuff like that so like I said you had a few of those chip socket replacements then you had another type of accelerator which I ought to say I never saw this but they existed I found a couple just doing some research uh, oh big book uh, the uh, website uh, big book of amiga hardware highly recommended i did a lot, i got a lot of information off that mm-hmm. amongst a few others the uh, uh the external accelerate accelerators would plug into that little side the side panel the side slide expansion slide um there weren't too many of those that i found uh the uh i found one called the uh, golem turbo box uh again sort of the same thing uh, this would put a uh uh, a different processor in there. I'm not sure how these worked. I'll be honest with you. If you think about it, I don't know how the compatibility was either. I personally have always seen pictures of these. I've never actually seen them in action. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a uh, that there was a, another one that I it was a sort of unknown name. It was in the 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 page I saw it listed on was in a language that I couldn't understand. I could I don't know what the heck this thing was, but it was a basically these things look like little beige boxes that sort of match the color the 1000 they plug in the side it just looks like a big metal box hanging mm-hmm. off the side of the thing what most people would have had including myself in terms of expansion or, uh, to increase your power was just straight up memory expansion 
Um, for example, uh, you've got uh, micro, uh, microbiotics, one, one meg expansion, just a little box that plugs into the side. It gives you a mega fast RAM. Uh, there was a there's a thing called a, a C limit is Omega, same thing. I used to have one, and it was generic as they come. I don't remember the name of it. I think it was it might have been from Progressive Peripherals, or something that seems to be ringing a bell. But it was a it was a two, it was two megs of fast RAM in a little box that just hooked on the side of the of the machine. Hmm. What that gave you was, on, in addition to the, at, assuming that you had the. Uh, clock memory expansion plugged into the front plus the onboard you'd have 512 of chip memory and two megs of of fast memory it, it helped it, it, memory was a big deal with the amiga um the uh funny thing about it is when they when the 500 came out the exact same slot is on the side of the amiga 500 except for one thing they put it in upside down hmm. so I remember for a little while that I had the 500 um, having it hang off the side of my desk so I could tip my metal box memory expansion upside down and have it plugged in because it was from the 1000. It was built for the 1000. So it was still compatible. You just had to flip it upside down yeah. to use it. A lot of stuff was like that, that you could get away with it, but it was ludicrous. I mean, I'd have to have to think of shoe boxes and everything <laughs> else. It was ridiculous. Um, <clears throat> another thing you're going to see a lot, Special on the 500 are um, SCSI hard drive adapters. And sometimes you're going to see this stuff sort of mixed together. Mm-hmm. A lot of times a, 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 a new processor will come with the, a, the ability to expand your memory. Um, it's kind of like how they used to put joystick ports on sound cards. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah they integrated a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And some are real crazy. You can have these things. I mean, I, I, like uh, a lot of the big companies that made the really – you know they're really nice expansions. They would even put extra parallel ports or serial ports or wacky stuff like that on there. But uh, the 1000 had a few SCSI adapters that came out for it. I never had one. I never had a hard drive for my 1000, unfortunately. So I didn't get to tool around with them too much. The uh, uh, I looked up, you know, what I could find, and most of the ones I found were sort of. Uh, for the 500 that would work on the 1000. I know they had some specifically made. The The realm of uh, Amiga 1000 hardware is kind of foggy because there were so many people making stuff for it, and a lot of them are from Europe. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just unnamed stuff that just is, is out there. So I, I know I had a friend that had an Amiga 1000 with a SCSI hard drive hooked up to it. And again, it's just, just a big metal box that hangs off the side. Sometimes the drive was stored in the box and sometimes the drive would have its own box hmm. and it would be stored separately in a box beside it and i've seen amiga 1000s with doodads hanging out the side three or four deep oh wow and of course then you get into a whole different compatibility issue uh because sometimes the memories don't get along i know my my memory module had a switch on it and if i turned it off it would disappear Mm. allegedly and then but some games i would put on even if i had to switch off they still wouldn't work with the memory module plug and unplug them mm. it's it was it was wacky um some of the other stuff that i looked at and and some of the stuff i actually have some experience with are the uh, little emulator boards uh these boards would once again you would take your 6800 68000 out you'd plug this board in and what they would do was let you use other uh other computers they effectively would be another computer on a little card the one I had was called the Vortex At Once uh, Classic. It gave you a, a 286, 16 megahertz PC. Hmm. Uh, your Amiga could read the PC discs. It gave you CGA graphics and uh, was pretty good. Actually, it was it was a pretty good little uh, bit of uh, hardware. How much did that run you back in the day? Boy, I want to say $200. Because uh, at that time... <laughs> Uh, well, let's let's pretend like it. You know, if you bought that when it first came out, that would have been in the. You know, it first came out in the the late eighties. Would you say? I'd say this was probably not to probably say eighty seven ish. So the two eighty six was still a contemporary machine at that yeah, time, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, by this time the PC had passed it, but I mean, you weren't going to get on this thing and play the latest games. Mm-hmm. It was CGA compatible, but it, it did a good job. Um, I ended up ditching it because the uh, the piece of software came out uh geez i think it was called cross dos or something like that that you didn't even need, need any hardware it would just run it you know it would run it perfect almost perfectly 
with just so software. Just a software emulation. Right, right, yeah. right. Um, another company, and I'd read about these. I'd never seen them. Uh, they, there's a company called ReadySoft, which you may have heard of. They, uh, they made a lot of the LaserDisc stuff for the Amiga. And I think they went on to be the company now that markets all the LaserDisc stuff for the PC. Uh, their name escapes me. I can't remember the name right off the top of my head, but they were the they've held the rights to the laser to the like dragons layers and stuff forever. Mm-hmm. Um, they made a they made a uh, little gimmick called the AMAX, and and the AMAX was a uh, a Macintosh emulator. It hooked into the floppy port of your Amiga, and then it had passed through for your floppy drive, and it let you run Mac stuff. Again, I had a piece of software that let me run Mac stuff if I wanted to, and it looked pretty. Like it was doing a pretty good job, but I didn't have any max of the trial on it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it's pretty it's- amazing though that they were building tools like that, you know, for the uh, the community. I guess even then, sort of like how Macs still are today, a lot of people they like the platform, but they need the compatibility, you know, with with other with other platforms. So, but I mean, this is really far ahead of its time, you know, coming out in the '80s and doing software emulation. It, I, I remember being very impressed. Uh, the the fact that, you know back in those days there, I didn't see a lot of emulation. I think the first thing I ever saw emulated was someone had rigged up a Game Boy emulator for the old PC way way back, and it would play a couple games that mm-hmm. real slow. So to see the PC come up, I mean this thing wasn't it wasn't horrible. It right. was okay. And the Mac ones, I mean I would tool around on it. It looked, it looked okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it ran pretty well. Uh, and it, it was it was that was so I think that's kind of neat. Um, I think they had some Power PC expansion stuff. I know they did later on. Uh, I'm not sure how much that would come into play with the 1000, uh, but I always thought it was neat. I always used to tell my friends, I'd you know, you got a nice computer there, I can emulate it with a disc, you know, and it would drive them nuts, and I'd <laughs> fire it up. Uh, something else the Amiga had a lot of uh, was little sound digitizers. Uh, I used to have one. Uh, it was the uh, let's see, what well, who made this thing? It was a crazy little unit, and oh, it was a it was the Sunrise Perfect Sound. And it hooked into the, uh, I believe it hooked into the parallel port on the on the one thousand, and it just had uh, two little speaker inputs on it, and I believe it had maybe a knob. And you'd plug in, you'd run your program, digitize sound. Big deal back in the day. It's not like today where you just hook up a laptop and go. This was I couldn't believe it. It was you know it was baffling that you could make your own sounds you know and, and digitize them. Oh yeah. Um, were you and, limited to a? I guess you were limited to a certain length. Of a, of a clip, could you get I five seconds? Was, or I something think it like was that? space. I think it was limited on how much space you had, mm-hmm. uh, and it did a good job. You know, if you sat there and tw- I mean, it's not, it wasn't awesome, but it was pretty good. Oh, you know, yeah. especially if given the era. Uh, another thing I had, another thing that was a big deal, was uh, was digitizing uh, pictures and video and stuff like that. I had a uh, little picture digitizer called Digiview. Uh, it was the oldest version. I had it. It was made by New Tech, and if anyone's into Amiga at all, they know New Tech are the guys that went on to do the video toaster. So they were a pretty big, they were a pretty big deal, mm, yeah, in the Amiga community. This is one of their early offerings. <clears throat> uh, it could do, it could do images. It had a color wheel. You would have to sit in front of your computer or in front of your camera, and you would digitize the whatever image you were shooting in red. Mm-hmm. And you'd spin the wheel to green. Then you'd spin wow. the wheel. You know, shows you, and then it would. It would smash all this together. Uh, this thing could do 32 colors at 360 by 480, and and the old ham standard, which uh, ham was like hold and modify, it was just a picture standard of the Amiga, and it could do 16 colors at 720 by 480. And then they had their own proprietary, I think it was 21 bit image. You know, uh, that was fun. I used to play with it. I wasn't very good at using it, but it was something neat to have. Uh, this stuff usually lived on in future versions, but uh, hardware peripherals get a lot more wacky uh, as you go up the line. The one thing I did want to close with, I was reading a magazine, I'd say it was 88, something like that. The Amiga 1000 had long since become obsolete compared to the new ones, and I really desperately wanted Zorro ports, which are the slots that the Amiga 2000 and 3000 would have. The big tower right. machines. Well, of course, the Amiga 1000 has no slots like that. <clears throat> and I saw a guy advertising uh, this thing in the back of a magazine that was uh, sort of like a Bodega Bay type expan- case expansion. A Bodega Bay made these uh, uh, boxes that you would plug your Amiga 500 into the side port, and they sort of they sort of 
sat around the 5000 it would give it all these zorro slots and external drives and mm. stuff you know front mounted it was really nice and i really wanted one and they had they had i advertised one for the amiga 1000 can't remember the name of it uh and i was so desperate to get this thing and i waited and waited and waited and never no one ever talked about it again and so finally i saw that the the ad had a phone number i called it up uh the company and a, and a french guy answered <laughs> and i found out i was calling canada and uh, they had no idea what I was talking about, so they got the only guy in the office that spoke some English, and all he could tell me was the he didn't he didn't know where it was at. That's all I can <laughs> understand. So I never I looked all over the net for this uh, to, when I was writing this up, and I still can't find it. So I'm going to go on the assumption that that that, that thing never got released. So mm. eh, what can you do? Right. Yeah, it's uh you know vaporware is a common occurrence in in every classic computing platform. Yeah, I guess they didn't see a lot of money in a in a uh, five-year-old computer's case expansion. Maybe they made the right call. Well, um, let's go ahead and move on to our game of the week. Amigo's game of the week. This week's game of the week is Super Frog. Super Frog is a one-player scrolling platformer published in 1993 by Team 17. Uh, Team 17 most famous these days for the Worms franchise and uh, all its sequels. Uh, I think Worms has appeared on every platform (laughs) uh, since the Amiga. Love that game. It's wonderful. Um, And uh, the the team that put this together, uh, they really, uh, they were involved in a lot of stuff. You know, Team 17 just, they put out some really good games. Uh, Oh, yeah. The coder was Andreas Todek. And I apologize for all these names that I might mispronounce. Uh, he was uh, also known for doing the Alien Breed series. Are you familiar with those? I am. Uh, the uh, They were a popular series on the Amiga, and uh, I played them, and they were, they were pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, there were a ton of sequels, and they came out on multiple platforms. So uh, the graphics were done by Rico Holmes, and uh, he also worked on Worms. Uh, he worked on a game called Full Contact, which is a, a fighting game. Um, and then also there was a second guy on graphics, Eric Schwartz, and he appears to have only have worked on Super Frog. All this uh, information comes from the uh, Lemon Amiga uh, website. Um, and the music was done by Alistair Bremble. Do you know anything about him, Aaron? I, the name doesn't sound familiar. Uh, well... He's the guy that worked on a ton of games. He did a ton of games for developers like Codemasters and Microprose. And uh, I thought that you had some information about him. Eric Schwartz is who you've got information about. (laughs) Well, let's find out some more about Eric Schwartz, shall we? (laughs) Well, anyone anyone that knows anything about the Amiga probably is familiar with Eric and his work. Uh, He has the unofficial mascot for the Amiga. Uh, from back in the day, Amy the Squirrel. Uh, if you uh, were into the demo scene back in the day or just like downloading the little animations, uh, Eric has was around for a long time. Uh, I did some research on him. Looks like he started piddling around in 89. Uh, Amy appeared in her first full-length demo in 93. It was called A Walk in the Park. I remember it. Uh, Amy... The squirrel, if you haven't seen her, is basically this incredibly sexy squirrel. <laughs> I mean, that's the only way to describe her. She's a sex pot squirrel that walks around and all the other animals and everyone else freaks out when they see her because he's super hot. Uh, this guy made about a zillion demos. I think he, he probably, uh, I tried to count up as many as I could remember, and it looked like he made over 50. Wow. Uh, he uh, he <laughs> he just was everywhere, and you always saw his work, and you always loved it. Uh, I did a little... Uh, kick in to see what what he was using to make this stuff from what i could tell he was using uh, deluxe paint four uh, he used digiview and he also was using uh the disney animation studio which i tried to give that thing a whirl one time and it was out of my league i can tell you that uh very talented dude and i, I don't know did you say it's the only game he ever worked on for uh, according to lemon amiga uh this is the only one in their database i never saw with the exception of this intro, I don't recall ever seeing him work on any of the games. Uh, I remember some of the later. I remember he did a uh, a desert a thing with Saddam Hussein. Uh, that's one of the last things I think I remember seeing him do. I did find out, and this I was surprised. I didn't. I mean, I feel kind of stupid for not knowing this. He has a. Uh, he's currently making an online uh, comic. 
I had a look at it, and it's pretty good, and it's been running forever. It's called Sabrina Online. And if anybody wants to check it out, sabrina-online.com. Uh, it's, it's, there's no mistaking his art. And so if you were an old Amiga guy from way back, and you flip over and have a look at that comic strip, it's the same. It's the same stuff. Awesome. So, but uh, a very prolific uh, demo guy, and certainly someone that ev- most people in the community know. Cool. Um, the hardware for the game says that it'll run on. Now, this is something I don't know. I don't know what it is. So you're going to have to help me. I'll OCS or ECS? The, uh, the, the OCS is the original chipset. That's the one that's in the 1000. Okay. The ECS is the enhanced chipset. So it'll run on on any Amiga. It, yeah. Okay. Pretty well. Uh, it originally came on three discs, um, and uh, that's really that's really kind of the nuts and bolts of the game. Um, the game itself, uh, do you have any... When was the first time you remember playing Super Frog? I probably played this right around when it came out, uh, which I believe was in 93. Um, it was a good game. I like Team 17. I believe they did the body blow series which is like a fighting game series i was really into so i knew about them they did a, a really popular series called project x so it was like a shooter mm-hmm. and so so they were well known to me uh when this came out so i knew there were certain companies with the amiga that when you saw their name on the on the on the marquee you knew it was gonna be good stuff and team 17 was one of them and so it's that's it's a it's it's very polished and uh and well made they always put a lot of uh, effort into getting a solid game out. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I probably played it probably right out of the gate. Okay, yeah, I uh, coming at it from you know a, a more modern perspective. I never played it uh, back in the day on anything. Um, I, I really noticed how smoothly the game ran, especially compared to a lot of the other platformers that I've played on the Amiga. Um, the character movement. I mean, it's, you know, whenever he's running fast, the screen is scrolling by smoothly. Uh, all of the sprites on screen, there's there's not a whole lot of slowdown. Um, the, uh, the thing that really hurts it the most on the original Amiga, again, is that, that lack of one button on the joystick. Because you've got to press up to jump. And from somebody that's uh, gone through their whole life with pressing a button to jump, you know, unless you're playing a, a fighting game, it makes it a little bit awkward. Uh, the same thing goes with whenever you're firing the projectile that you get. You have to hold down the button and then press in a certain direction to get that projectile to fire. To fire. Now, I do give them props for producing a projectile that could fire in, in multiple different angles. So that's, that's cool. Um, but, uh, you know, the levels are... They're laid out in much the same way as uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. If you're going to say, was this more like Mario or more like Sonic, it's definitely more like Sonic. Uh, The speed is there. What's not there is any real reason to have the speed. Um, You know, when Sonic gets going, he can go into a ball and he can kill enemies. With Super Frog, you run down the hill, you're going real fast, and sometimes you just run into some spikes and you die. Um, (laughs) it's, uh, it's, but you know, it's, it's a very challenging game. Um, you do have an option to start with three, five, or seven lives, which is useful. Um, when I played, I always played with the default three lives for our high school, yep. our high school purposes. Um, one cool thing that I found out by uh, researching this game is, uh, and this is something that I'm sure is common knowledge to all of our uh, British listeners, but the the drink in the game, uh, Luco's Aid. Did you do any reading into that? I I knew it was a real drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've never had one. I haven't either. I had you know I'd heard of them. Uh, it must be good. Yeah, <laughs> it does yeah. a good job for the frog. Uh, it's it's funny because you think about energy drinks really becoming popular within the last ten years or so, at least in this country. Um, you know, we always had Gatorade, but this is one of those drinks that comes in the small bottle, kind of like a uh, five hour energy or something like that. It was first created in the twenties, so uh, it's been around for a while. Um, the uh, one of the things that I thought was kind of cute about Super Frog is that he's not really a super frog. Um, he can't really fly. Uh, if you look at, if you watch the whole intro, you know the the wind is blowing his cape, and then it, he breaks the fourth wall and it goes off screen, and you <laughs> see the guy with the fan. So I thought that was pretty pretty funny. Um, and uh, you know he doesn't have any kind of magical powers other than drinking this Lucozade. Uh There's plenty of stuff to pick up in this game. I like games where you collect a lot of stuff, and there's fruit everywhere. There's coins you collect to be able to complete a level. Um, 
I don't I, like that aspect of it. That you, you had to get a certain amount to leave. Right. That it makes you really try to milk every nook and cranny. It level. forced you to explore, and there's a lot to explore in every level. There's a lot of hidden areas. I did find that the levels sometimes were a little bit too long. I kind of wish they were a little bit shorter. Um, but uh, overall, that's a that's a small complaint. I, I think overall, I was I was pretty happy playing this game. I. Um, the reviews that came out in magazines were generally favorable. Again, this comes from Lim and Amiga. Um, Amiga Action uh, in June of 93 gave it an 89. Amiga Computing gave it a 93. Uh, the lowest review that uh, I found was Amiga Power, uh, which gave it a 78. It's amazing that there were seven different Amiga magazines in 1993. Yeah, the, uh, the, uh, the people in the UK were very fortunate to get so many different magazines um I, I used to import them occasionally and uh, they were great they come with a cover disc and stuff uh in terms of this game i would say the 78 for the last that's that seems incredibly low <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a pretty good game uh me personally yeah I, the problems i had with it were control based I just didn't feel like the that Super Frog controls that well when you're trying to land, especially when you're landing on those tinier foes to smush them. Uh, it was really tough to to hone in. I mean, not having to jump button and having to push up, it is a problem. But if it, if you land it okay, I wish it was kind of maybe a little floatier, or maybe they'd made the uh, some of the opponents a little larger. Mm-hmm. Some of those guys, those little green things, you know, and, and you've got to you've yeah. got to jump on them twice to kill them too, right. which is odd. The uh, uh, the fact that what you said about the speed, I agree. You know, it's you you could you could really move, but it wasn't necessarily going to do you any favors mm-hmm. uh, when when you got there. Uh, the uh, the way the, the way your guy flew around, there were a lot of blind jumps, and like you said, you hit those spikes, you're done. Right, get, there is no do over, you're done, and so. Uh, uh, it's it can be frustrating. Now, on the, that much said, uh, I sat down and played this with my son, who's five, and he loved it. He loved the game. He played the crap out of it. He played it all evening long, and he, ever, he still asked me to play it. To the, you know today, so so uh, you know he and he doesn't think it's too hard. So maybe I'm just getting old. But I remember <laughs> even back in the day, I was just like, this is a pretty good game. But it's it's like it's sort of like a. a a very polished game, but it doesn't have. They didn't have the level designers of a Mario or a Sonic mm-hmm. to go in there and refine those levels to make them more fun and less frustrating. Right. I think that a lot of times these are smaller teams. They're less experienced teams. You know, by this point, you know, Super Mario World had already come out on the Super Nintendo, and so the team that was making Mario games had it down to an art. Uh, and the same thing, you know, I think Sonic Two. That might that might have been ninety four, but you know there had already been uh, that 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 first Sonic game, which you can definitely see, um, you know, in the level design that this was uh, this was kind of taken after. Um, the uh, this game was had a couple ports. Um, the uh, it was ported first to the the CD thirty two. Um, I think it was probably one of the big uh, Ballyhoo. It was probably released around the same time the CD thirty two was, don't you think? Yeah, and then, of course, porting the CD32 requires basically no porting. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know uh, what enhancements that has over the uh, original versions. The uh, uh, the CD32, though, and for all intents and purposes, is, is an Amiga 1200 with a with a CD-ROM hooked to it. Mm-hmm. Him, so yeah, it uh, the the only one that I could find is that it takes advantage of having the two buttons on the controller, yeah. so you can jump instead of having to press up. Um, it was also ported to uh, MS DOS. That surprised me. Yeah, I, I read that, and I would have never guessed that. And it I, looked okay. I did looked, it look okay? Because yeah, a lot watched, of those DOS ports are. I watched the little. I watched a, a YouTube clip, and it looked. It looked. I mean, I know there's some levels, like for example, um, the second to last level is a shoot is a space shooter, mm-hmm. and uh, which they call they called it Project F, which they were sort of like parodying themselves. So they made Project X. Uh, the PC version doesn't have that, uh, from what I read. So there's some things missing. Uh, but I was impressed that the PC, of course, by this time, the PC yeah, 93. Was, was, was better. A right. lot probably had caught up in a lot of ways to the power 
you know, with the separate video cards and stuff. So, but it's still, I, mean, I was surprised that they oh, yeah, made a PC version. If you look at ports of, you know, other, you know, console games, like the port of Street Fighter 2 for DOS, it's terrible. You know, there's there's all kinds of just... Yeah, the Amiga one's not too good That's either. true, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, maybe, you know, console ports to PCs, uh, you know, didn't always go well. But I'm glad that the, that the Super Frog port went well. There was actually another Amiga version released in 1999. Which uh, full five years after the official end of the uh, the, pro- the platform, um, though I guess the only difference was the box art. Um, and <laughs> more, yeah, more recently, uh, it was released for the PS3 and the PlayStation Vita. Um, had, did you take a look at any of those any of the re-released versions? Well, I actually downloaded this for the for my tablet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was disappointed, and I'll, and the reason is this going to be a, sound like a stupid reason, but one of the best parts about Super Frog is the music. It's really good. That opening title is that little title tune is very catchy, and uh, for whatever reason, the 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 Android version I didn't have any music at all. Hmm. It took a lot away. Yeah. Uh, uh, otherwise, it looked you know it's okay, uh, but I like the music. You know, and it's. When you when you're used to something and it's gone, yeah, you lose a little luster. Right now, did your did this, the Android version have the redrawn art? Uh, you know, I I don't know. I mean, it looked it looked pretty much the same. Okay, so the this the the ports for the PS3 and the Vita, they've totally redrawn all of the assets for this, and uh, much to the chagrin of uh, many of the classic Super Frog fans that I read on- online, they said that uh, it makes the game seem like a flash game that the animation. Although it looks clean, it looks like it was kind of put together uh, in a hurry using pre-existing art for the fruit and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, some of that is probably just old people wanting things the way they wanted it, you know, the, the way that they've yeah. always been. But, yeah. uh, you know, it's um, it's good to see any kind of, you know, Amiga ports coming to the newer systems. Well, you know, uh, I've played a few of the ports that came up from the Amiga. Uh, in fact, the two that come to mind were this and, and Wings. I can tell you without hesitation, Wings is much, much, much better mm. uh, of a of a bring up. They really did a good job with it. This is pretty much straight up, you know. Really, graphically, I didn't notice that much of a difference. But honestly, I didn't play it all that long. You know, when you've got an Amiga sitting there, and and if you feel the notion to play Super Frog, I just usually fire the Amiga. Up, right. You know, so, well, um, now it's time for uh, the moment you've all been waiting for: the score competition. I think I did better this week than I did on Hybris. I think I might have beaten Aaron. Yeah, because I, I, I'm not going to lie. This, I didn't do well. <laughs> One of the things that uh, we did, we neglected to mention is that the scores can be wildly varying because of the gambling mechanic. Well, the gambling is awesome. I, do, I will say <laughs> I did like that. Uh, in between levels, you can play, you can wager. Uh, Coins that you collect, uh, or coins that you're rewarded throughout the level for collecting different things, uh, to either you can either take a set number of points or you can gamble for a lot, a lot of points. Um, the slot machine is really cool. It's well thought out. There's kind of a, a tree that you can follow on the right to kind of push your luck once you win. It's like a fruit machine, right? Right. I mean, it's like a fruit machine. It's very European. Um, and, uh, but, a lot of the times, you know, I just lost and I just got tired of losing, so I just started taking the points because I was so determined. To I, beat always you. Played, I always played. I always played the slot machine. Did you, I, I'm guessing before you get in the score, did you? I'm guessing you didn't finish the game when you're on your three man. I did not finish did the you, game. Did you happen to watch the game get completed? Uh, no, I actually I haven't watched. I haven't watched I, the, the the later stages. I sat yet. through it, and it's just a long game. Oh yeah, it goes on forever. Uh, it's got. Uh, it's like it's got six. It's got six zones mm-hmm. that are, and they're long, you yeah. know, like you said. And I watched the whole game because I kind of wanted to see what the ending looked like. And uh, I'm going to spoil the ending for anyone that hasn't seen the ending of a 1993 game mm-hmm. by now. You know, the witch is the is the uh, is the bad girl in this. Mm-hmm. Turns in. So at the end, it's this has undoubtedly one of the lamest boss fights I have <laughs> ever seen in the game. Basically, just hop on this. It's on this witch as she flies around your girl. It was so disappointing. Mm. I will say that that was a real that was kind of a real bummer. If I had played through this long thing, I mean the levels are varied. I don't know if you have seen any of the levels. I them. did. I, I've skipped around through it, you know, on YouTube watching different playthroughs and the, stuff. I mean, they're 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 a lot of different guys. I mean, they really this was no this was no uh, budget title. I mean, they put a lot of time into right. this thing to make all these levels, but the ending 
It was not good. Of course, the way I played, I would never see the ending. <laughs> Me neither. So, my score was 328,450. <laughs> well, you have gotten your revenge from last week, I'm afraid. <laughs> my my towering score 89,900. Wow. It was a uh, uh, I just, I tried and I tried. I've never been good at this game, and the, the the beat goes on. I'm still not good at it. Well, I'm happy. <laughs> I'm glad that I... Congratulations. We, uh, we, 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 we squared it up, and uh, next week, it's just an, a, a brand new slate. So, um, speaking of next week... Uh, you you offered to let me choose the game yeah, this what, week. What are we playing next week? Because I'm interested to see what you pick, Bo, given your limited exposure to the Amiga. Well, I thought that I'd choose um, a game that I think was originally released on the Amiga, but is one of my all-time favorite platformers on the Super Nintendo. All right. Uh, and there's it down. And uh, this is another game from a British uh, studio. Ocean. Okay. Um, and uh, the name of the game is The Adams Family. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I've seen, having seen you play this in the past, I'm instantly concerned. <laughs> now, um, I don't know if, uh, if we'll be able to do... There's places in that game where you can run up your score infinitely and there's no time limit. So I don't know if we'll do a, a score competition next week, but I'm interested to see how far you can progress. Uh, I can tell you uh, without hesitation, I don't know any place I can run up the score. <laughs> So if anyone out there wants to give me a hint, I'd be more than happy to listen. So um, we're going to go ahead and wrap things up now so we can start our live stream. Uh, we are going to stream Super Frog uh, for as long as we feel like. And uh, we might even fire up another couple games, uh, just uh, depending on if there's anybody watching us. And we'll archive the stream and throw it up on YouTube. Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, we plan on recording on uh, Thursdays and most weeks. So next Thursday, I'm going to be gone uh, at... Uh, band camp i'm a band director and i've got to go got to go to band camp but uh we'll be back after that and uh so is there what else am i forgetting anything i think you summed it up sir all right well uh for aaron dowdy uh i'm john schaller and uh until next week adios, adios.